Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Adventure Audio Podcast. This is episode 51, and in this episode, we are welcoming back Ricky Gates to the podcast. Ricky was our guest back on episode 17. That was in early March and uh, early pandemic days, so a lot has changed since then. But really, the reason that we were so eager to have Ricky back on is because he has since that um, conversation Back in March on episode 17, he has since released a book called Cross Country and a film called Transamericana, and they are both absolutely awesome. And we wanted to have him back on to talk about that. It's They're both a chronicle of his journey across the United States back in 2017, where he ran about 2,700 miles, which is about 6,000 kilometers, um, across the United States to get to know his country better. And uh, well, we'll let him explain it in his own in his own words. But they're both really, really uh, they're works of art, both the book uh, and the film. So we would really encourage you to check those out. Also, encourage you to go back and listen to episode seventeen because some of that stuff is foreshadowed. Uh, he he was working on those projects at that time, and they were getting close to completion. But we've uh, ha- since had a chance to uh, check them out, and uh, they're just they're amazing and inspiring. And you know, in addition to being an ultra runner. Ricky is really an artist. So we caught up with him from his home in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And we had another really, really cool conversation with him. One of our very favorite people. We hope you enjoy our conversation with Ricky Gates. Thank you everybody again for listening. If you have an opportunity to share the podcast, either virally with social media or uh, but just by word of mouth, we really, really appreciate that. And we really appreciate you tuning in and listening. As always, we would love to hear from you. So you can hit us up on any of our social media channels. It's Adventure Audio on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can email us at adventureaudiopodcast at gmail.com. Thank you and on to Ricky. Are those like mason jars behind you, Ricky? They are. Uh, all the different dirts of places that I've been around the world. So this one's in Fort Bragg, California. Oh, cool. Um, we got, this one's not dirt. This is uh, melted ice from the South Pole. No way. Yeah. So cool. Um, what, when did you start collecting those? This one Tyler might know. Mont Ventoux. No way. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I've been collecting them for, I guess, uh, 15 to 20 years now, I guess almost 20 years now. Yeah. I started, uh, after my, my first, uh, uh, trip down to South America, I came back with a whole bunch of crap, like, uh, stupid little knickknacks that I was buying for everybody and, and kind of keeping them for myself as well. And, and they didn't, not only did they not survive the test of time, they didn't even survive a year. And so I kind of made this dedication to when I when I go to a place, if if it means something to me, if uh, then I, I grab a little dirt from there and and take it home from those travels. And then I have this process of putting them in the, the jars there and labeling them. And then uh, every time I, I look at them, I can kind of get transported back to that place and who I was with at the time and, and all of these things. So it's, uh, that's, those, that's my, that's my su- souvenir collection. <laughs> do you have one from the death race, the Canadian death race? I do. I actually, right. it'd be, it'd be hard for me to find it right now, but it's somewhere there behind me. And it, uh, I actually grabbed some, some, uh, some dirt from the summit of one of the peaks there during the run. 
and uh, <laughs> I had a pretty commanding lead at that point. So, uh, yeah. You could stop for a how minute many, to get some dirt. Yeah. How many jars do you think you have, Ricky? There's like 230. Wow. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. What a great idea. Thanks. Yeah, my, my wife, she, uh, she we, we just bought this house uh, a little bit of a pandemic by um, congratulations the, thanks yeah and in the, in the decorating of the house she's asking where she can put uh some artwork and other artwork and this and that and and i said so long as my my dirt collection makes it on the wall somewhere you can do whatever you want with the rest of the house and oh, she wow. gave it the the best location right here in the center of the living rooms yeah very <laughs> cool how's how's new mexico treating you guys uh, it's it's really great. Yeah, we yeah. love it here. Um, I never thought in a million years that I'd be ended up in in New Mexico. Being from Colorado, I just thought Colorado yeah. forever and ever. And after six years in the Bay Area, we started looking for uh, kind of the next place. And um, Colorado is is getting crowded and and yeah. really expensive. And so yeah. we started looking outside of uh, Colorado and. And uh, she got this great job at a, a company here, an art collective here called Meow Wolf. And uh, it's a, an art collective, uh, one of the, the coolest things to see in New Mexico. And, and they're expanding to uh, Las Vegas and to Denver. And she's an artist and fabricator and, and got a job with them uh, putting together some of the, the cool stuff that they're sending off to those locations. So it's, uh, it's been wow. a good, good move. Santa Fe itself has a bunch of trails, uh, great skiing, um, good food, a uh, lot of diversity, um, and and a heck of a lot cheaper than San Francisco or Colorado. So uh, so yeah, we're loving it here. Good for you. That's great. So since the last time we chatted, I looked it up. Like that was in the middle of March, which was a completely different world. That it could have been a thousand years ago for everything that's happened since then that was back when i thought that like the pandemic was going to last a couple of weeks or maybe a month or something yeah. you it know it feels like two it feels like two years ago but that was yeah like march. wow yeah march yeah so yeah. those are early pandemic days but since then we wanted to reach back out because we've since had a chance to watch transamericana um and i read your book too they're both completely different like they're accounts of the same thing but they're a completely different experience in a way to sort of um take in what you did but um the, it's a remarkable film and we wanted to have you on to chat about it so so thanks for making some time but now when you were when you took it on in the first place did you always have in mind that you would be that a book and a film would be the would, would happen from it yeah i set off with the intention of it uh i um first of all i i didn't I don't want to do this trip twice, or at least that's what I was telling myself. Uh, I, I, you know, a couple of years down past past uh, that run across the country, um, I would definitely consider doing it a second time. Um, but in in kind of having that mentality of not really wanting to do it a second time, I really got all of my ducks lined up in a row in order to um to really make the trip what I wanted it to be, and that included sharing it with other people. And so from the moment that I set off from Folly Beach, South Carolina, I had my, 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 my phone, my camera, um, and, and I was filming and shooting everything, uh, anything that, that seemed reasonable uh, 
to, to include in the film and then a lot of things that didn't seem reasonable to include in a film. Um, yeah. I had worked with The Wandering Fever who made the film. I've worked with them on several different projects. Uh, you know, we've been to Japan together, to the UK, to various parts of the States, Mount Marathon up in Alaska, South America. Um, so I knew that I worked really well with them. And, uh, and I actually pitched this idea of, of making a movie about this run across the country uh, even before I mentioned it to Solomon, um, because I knew that uh, if I was going to do this, like I, I would want the right people doing it and, and it. and it costs a little bit of money as well. I didn't yeah. spend any of my own money on it, but uh, Solomon paid for this film to happen. And I, and I wanted the you know, the, the blessing of, of the wandering fever uh, and to go forward with it. And they told me which camera to buy, um, what settings to put it on and, and all of these things. And, and then the film kind of emerged out of that. I, every, every single still in the book, I shot a video component of it as well. Um, and uh, had the, the great luxury of being able to simply hand over all of that footage to a trusted individual who would sort through it and kind of figure out the storyline. And as you mentioned, like the, the two, the book and the movie um, are different, but they, they have a lot of parallels as well, which, uh, which simply comes down to available media. Yeah, I guess I was, I guess at first I was sort of expecting a typical account and not to, not to put down any other books by endurance athletes, but they, there's, they're usually sort of formulaic, right? It's like a, here's where I'm from. Here's my background. Here's, and, and here's this really cool thing that I did. Right. Um, yours is like photojournalism. It's like, it's like Jack Kerouac meets Hunter S Thompson. Like it's, it's totally different and really, really cool. Um, and then the film is like, I think Tyler just watched it either yesterday or the day before it's it, it's impactful it's really Incre cool incredible i think i had goosebumps pretty much the whole time you mm. know and i think i i definitely teared up a couple of times just man yeah you're one incredible human being you know uh, i you know i wish we had more people like you ricky and yeah it's an it's an honor to have you on this podcast again it's really um yeah well, I, I appreciate my face just to see you. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate you. your kind words, guys. It's a, uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm honored to have created something that has allowed for this conversation to happen. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Did you know that it wouldn't just be a, a movie and a story about running across the country? Cause it's not, it's about a guy finding himself and about trying to understand the, the people who live in the same country as him. It's about a whole bunch of things. And did you already, did you know that going in or, or was it supposed to just be documenting this journey? Cause it's like 3,700 miles. So for the metrically inclined, that's like 6,000 kilometers. That is a hell of a long way to go. And most people who take on these types of things do so with support and it's different, right? We've seen that before with support vans or RVs and you're like, the the baby stroller was hilarious with the hubcap and it just yeah. complete completely yeah. different journey yeah I, I i've been thinking about this uh more and more and like i uh and if if i'm to go back to even like kindergarten you know this is 35 years ago like i've always had this uh desire to to do things different than than how other people are doing them and, and that doesn't imply any sort of judgment 
Um, what it probably implies is that I'm desperate for attention. And, uh, <laughs> um, but like kindergarten, uh, basalt ele uh, elementary uh, in, the, in the Roaring Fork Valley, um, I, I see pictures of how kids are showing up to kindergarten and I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. I'm going to show up in a suit and tie. And sure enough, uh, I got beat up very first day of school. Um, I did it again the next day, got beat up a second time. I'm like, all right, fine. I don't need to get beat up. But like, I don't need to be so different that I'm getting beat up every day. But I do need to, uh, to continue doing things differently. Um, and then, you know, fast forward 35 years, uh, I'm not getting beat up anymore. But I am still have this this need and this desire to do things differently than other people are doing them. Um, and so I I read accounts of people going across the country um, and I and I've just seen other people's stories. And um, there are a lot of people that go across the country in the same manner that I did uh, on on a budget um, with no support vehicles or anything like that. You don't often see much about them. Um, because they don't have the the backing of of a sponsor, um, but I just knew from from the beginning that like if if I'm going to put this out there uh, for the general public, like I want them to actually be able to relate to it. And having a support vehicle to me is not relatable. Um, and and to have uh, you know the a, a budget it is relatable. And so and, and so I put these certain restrictions in there that really allowed for the story to unfold uh, in, in what I would consider in, in a much more natural way. In both the book and the film, it's so like palpable how like vulnerable you are, both like just from a really practical sense, like running on the side of a highway, but also just sleeping outdoors and animals and just some crazy person with a gun like you, there's just so like it feels like you're there like in, in both the book and the film um how how much how much consideration and planning around your own just personal safety did you do because it doesn't uh, feel like honestly it doesn't feel like all that much it feels like you kind of just yeah. got there and winged it a lot of the way yeah that's exactly right there was very little consideration for my personal safety um but I, I am very careful to point out that um, I'm a, a white guy in my mid 30s. Um, this journey for me, like there's a lot of uh, there's a, a lot of advantages that I have simply from the color of my skin and my sex and my age that does not put me in a group of of, uh, of vulnerable people doing something like this. Um, there at the beginning of the trip, though, I did. Uh, and, and I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the film, but I did make this kind of weird commitment to myself that I I wasn't going to be afraid of of people or animals while I was out there. It's it's I mean yeah, it's like skiing. You know, you 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 huck yourself off a cliff, and like you know, in order to do that, you have to be okay with the risk of there being a tree that you can't see underneath the snow or something like that. And so I was just kind of taking that same mentality of running across the country. You just you, to have the most honest uh, version of the trip, you have to suspend uh, quite a bit of fear. Um, and it's suspending way more fear than is, is, is actually out there. The, the amount of, you know, with, when it comes to animals and stuff, there's just really not that much uh, scary stuff for us to encounter. 
uh, out in the world. That's the, that's the reality of it, at least here in the United States. Um, and, and of course, now we have this, uh, this video, if, if you guys are on social media today, there's a video now of a guy getting chased down by a mountain lion. Um, that's, if you haven't seen it already, you'll see heard it about in, it. I heard in about a few it. hours. And okay. that's what gets stuck in people's brains is like, oh, it's so dangerous. You need to carry a gun with you. It's like, I've seen, I've been on way more trails than that guy has been in his entire life. And I've seen two mountain lions and, and didn't have that interaction. And yet, you know, people's fear in their head, uh, you know, there's gun sales are going to go up as a result of this video, you know, because you see this one incident and, and you latch on to that fear. Um, but what, you know, what does it mean to actually, you know, just completely suspend that fear and, and see what happens. And, and I think more people, uh, need to, need to do that. And I hope so anyway. Absolutely. So when you're on your, this trip, you, you met a lot of really, really kind people. And, uh, you know, that was just one of the, uh, my favorite parts about your film, um, all these different individuals you've met. And uh, you said something like, we're more, we're, we're about 90% the same and maybe 10% different, different than, um, you know, a lot of people think we're just so much different. You know, the people in the South are so much different than the people in the West or things like that, but we're all really pretty much the same. Yeah. And I, and I stand by that as well. It's, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's such a powerful tool to make that 10% difference seem like 90% difference. Yeah. Um, you know, to kind of flip that narrative, it's an extremely powerful tool. And if you're able to figure that out, you can be the president of the United States. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it, it takes actually getting out there on foot and and finding people that you disagree with to realize that that is fictitious, that that narrative is fictitious. And, you know, I, I started off my run thinking that I was going to talk politics with, with a lot of people um, from, with a lot of differing beliefs than me. And the, the reality is, is that I just, I didn't talk politics all that much at all because it just never came up. It was, uh, you know, we talked about what you're supposed to talk about you know, when you're, when you're just two strangers encountering each other on the side of a road in the middle of uh, Tennessee, you talk about this weird backpack that you've got on, uh, you talk about where you started, and, and I ask them, you know, what's it like living here, or what do you do for work, or any of these things, you know, that's that 90% that I'm, that I'm curious about, uh, you know, oh, cool, like you, like your your goals in life is, is are to 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 be happy to live free to protect your family um like those are those are my same goals as well and in that 10 percent right there that difference is like how we're gonna go about uh, achieving that goal and if you can take that 10 percent and and inflate it um you have this ability to to separate people and, and make them think that they're way more different than they actually are. So for me, it was immensely impactful to, to be able to go out there and, and talk to people and with, with really no intention of, of changing anybody's minds, um, but to just really understand who they are, where they're coming from, how they got there, um, and, and why they believe what they believe. And, and and when you do that and and really take it to the its full ex, fullest extent, um, that's where like 
that gold golden empathy really comes in and and uh and we can come together rather than you know come apart yeah that's fantastic it is um, yeah so you know you said half or about what two-thirds of the way through you get to your hometown of aspen colorado you know it was mm. so neat in the film to see you there with your family and then you had to you know what you took a day or two kind of there is that right and then you headed up over the rockies into the desert you know? yeah I yeah spent, can, I you spent... share, can you talk about that a little bit yeah i spent three days at home i i, oh, I spent nice. uh the the proper amount of time i think if i spent four days at home i probably wouldn't have left um and that was through. another palpable part of a film that it seemed extremely difficult to get going again like yeah and, and to put yourself in in your shoes like i just yeah. i don't know if i could have done it i think i, I would have avoided home just so yeah. that i didn't have that temptation <laughs> to stop in in retrospect there's a chance i would have avoided home but it was uh it was really special and and tyler i know you've spent some time in aspen and uh it's it's an amazing place. Um, it it really is uh, uh, a little slice of paradise. Um, and uh, but yeah, going in, you know, continuing on from there. It wasn't just continue on continuing on to the other side of the country. It's continuing on through uh, through the American desert during the hottest months of the year, and with absolutely no real plan. Like I didn't, I hadn't planned on getting a, a little golf cart caddy. I hadn't planned on getting a, a baby uh, jogger to push my stuff along. I hadn't planned on peeing blood or, you know, just experiencing this immense amount of, of loneliness. Um, or drinking mustard. Or drinking mustard, <laughs> right. yeah. Which, which uh, under a car, yeah. under a yeah. truck. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know that I would recommend drinking mustard. I, I don't know what website did uh, chugging uh, Grey Poupon to get rid of, uh, of acid reflux, but uh, yeah, there's there, well, I don't know if it did work. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but it's just these these lessons in life that uh, you know are are always ahead of us, and if you kind of just keep forging forward, you're just going to keep learning more and more. Um, and and that's what that was my takeaway after that is like. I, I couldn't have possibly, in retrospect, I couldn't have possibly stopped in Colorado. I couldn't have called it quits because I did have this goal of getting to the other side. And the reality is, is that I just learned so much uh, about myself going through the desert. And it was just this, uh, this cleansing of, of the soul that I went through going through the desert. And, um, almost dangerous in a way, like... Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I think I can do this forever. Like, uh, I am so stripped down and raw right now. Like, sunrises are making me cry. Birds are making yeah. me cry. Like, this is so special. Um, but as I think I mentioned in the film, it's it's as special as it is. It's just not uh, sustainable. Um, you're you're no longer participating in society at that point. Um, and uh and and that's not where i want to be not not at this point in my life anyway maybe maybe 100 year old ricky with a, a a nice long fu man chew um <laughs> we'll take that on but uh for right now i'm really happy to to be on the path that i'm on wow uh 
And then you got to San, finally you got to San Francisco. You obviously went really deep there in the desert, and you know, I mean, is it arguable? Argue is it? Can you say that you were close to death? Like, I mean, you're peeing blood, like, right? I yeah. Mean, you lost a ton of weight, right? You're drinking mustard. With not a lot of weight to lose to begin with. Yeah. You know? no, I, and the, right? the kind of the doctor's analysis is that when like it it wasn't my kidneys, um, which is much more deadly that's potentially deadly what was probably happening happening was rhabdomyolysis and that's when you start to digest the the muscle in your body rather than fat reserves or uh, food that you're putting into your body body um it certainly uh makes it a more compelling story to say that i was close to death um i don't i don't personally think that i was that close to death um you know first of all yeah, I mean, close I was, enough. Yeah, yeah. I I had the the luxury of, uh, for the most part, in the desert, running along a road. So I just I knew that like if if shit gets really bad, like I'm just I'm yeah. gonna go lay down yeah. in the road and someone's gonna stop for me. Um, so that's that's a modern luxury of going across the country that uh, you know that some pioneers didn't have that uh, that at their at their fingertips. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I love that section where you were uh, with the baby stroller carrying all your water. I think you were on a slight downhill and you were able to like run ahead of it, and you're all by yourself in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Kind of dance along as you ran. That was great. So yeah. finally, you made it to San Francisco after five months of this journey, and and uh, which surprised me. But then it didn't surprise me. Knowing you know, getting to know you better is like. Within a week or two weeks, you already had your next um, objective, and that was to run every street in San Francisco. It's yeah, it, uh, you know, the, the run across the country, like, as amazing as it was, it, it felt like I had only explored, you know, one part of the country, um, mm -hmm. a largely rural part of the country. You know, when you're going across America, even if uh, you are going through... Um, through cities, which I did. I didn't avoid any cities. I went through Memphis. I went through uh, Colorado Springs and Nuga. Um, but even as you're going through these places, you know, it, it Memphis at a slow pace, it, it still only takes you, you know, eight to 10 hours to get across. And can you really understand a place like Memphis uh, with a population of, uh, you know, a million or two million people? Um, can you really understand that place in ten hours? And and ab yeah. like you can't you can't you can't go to the MoMA and and take in all of the art at the MoMA in in ten hours. You, can, you certainly can't take in a city in ten hours. And so that's when I'm like, well, how do I spend a, a long period of time in in a small area um, doing what I do, which is running and and taking in information and talking to people. Um, how can I do that in, in a somewhat orderly fashion? And uh, that's when I Googled uh, how many miles of street are there in San Francisco, and it came up 1,137 miles of street. And I'm like, oh, perfect. That's, go that's running from Denver to San Francisco. I know how long that takes, and, and uh, that's not impossible. I can do that this fall and, and still see my, my then-girlfriend, now wife. Um, I can see her uh, regularly and and uh, and really, not just get to know uh, San Francisco, but uh, get to know a city in America, 
and not just a city in America, but also get to know a city in general, because cities are, are just as every bit diverse as, uh, as uh, you know, the country itself and the world itself. Um, totally. Especially, especially when you take a city like San Francisco that has, um, you know, people from every corner of the world uh, in their own little nooks and crannies uh, throughout the city. So it was immensely in, enlightening um, as much and possibly more so than my run across the country, um, because the reality is at this point, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but 60 or 70 percent of the human population lives in cities. And so that's possibly more of a, uh, a better gauge of, of who we are as, as a species uh, than going across uh, the cornfields in Kansas. Yeah, that's a great point. And um, like I shared with you last time that that's inspired me to do the same thing here where I live in Calgary. And it's, I mean, I'm running in places that I would never, never even consider running. Normally, I'd just prefer to run on trails. But now I'm running in, you know, if I've got, if I'm, if I happen to be somewhere and I've got an hour to kill, I'm like, well, I'm here, I'll bang out some streets and industrial areas and just, you know, it's, um, it's places that roads and streets that I've never been on. I've lived here for 40 years. So yeah, yeah it's uh super inspiring and people should take it on wherever they are because there's no, you know, you don't need to, that's the cool thing about it is so much more accessible than running across a, a continent. Right. Totally. You can you can chip away at it. There's you don't need to have any timeline on it, but um, a very, very cool project. And it makes me think about uh, my city in a totally different way. And it also makes me think about trying to interact with my city and the people in it in a different way, too. Not just not just checking a box on a map. Right. Yeah. And it uh, for me personally, it feels I'm doing the same thing here in Santa Fe. I'm, I've taken on the every single street project in Santa Fe. And it's nice. like seven or 800 miles. It's taken me a year to get through a third. I'm coming up on a half of it. Um, but this is a new town to me and to have something uh, that that gives me some sort of ownership to this town uh, is really important to me to be talking to someone in the supermarket, um, you know, that's very different background to me and say, Hey, where do you live? And they're like, Oh, you would you wouldn't know this area. It's, uh, you know, out by the airport. And I'm like, Oh, what street? I've been out there. And, you yeah. know, their eyes light up. They're like, you know, you know that area. And uh, so that part's super fun. Another part that I think is really fun about the Every Single Street Project is that it, it really exercises your brain uh, more, more than any other type of running I've ever done uh, to the extent that you, you almost lose track of the, the fitness that you're gaining and the, and the running that you're doing. Um, because you are concentrating on on this weird labyrinth of of streets and in, in in your own city and and taking in the surroundings. Yeah, and try not to repeat yourself too often. And you know, there's a lot of stuff because even when you ran San Francisco, um, eleven hundred miles. But how many miles did you run to get the eleven hundred? You had to have ran more than that, right? Yeah, appro approximately twenty percent more. So about thirteen hundred and fifty oh, wow. miles. Um, huh. yeah. And, and when you're figuring like it, it's a math problem, it's called the, uh, um, it's called the Chinese postman problem, oh, yeah. uh, named after a Chinese mathematician that kind of, uh, figured all of this out. And, uh, you know, when you're, <laughs> when you're figuring out this math problem at home on a piece of paper or on a computer, you know, that, that 10 to 20% extra, 
um, isn't a big deal. But if you've already run 25 miles in a day and then you realize you missed a block uh, 10 blocks away that you could have done then, that math problem becomes all of a sudden really important to solve uh, right on the first time. Yeah. Wow. You're, you're inspiring. And this really took, got some legs, you know? So you did San Francisco every single street and then it, it uh, what, on social media, it just exploded and people started doing it really all around the world. Is that correct? Yeah, and totally. It's, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, it's not something that I had, uh, I, I had hoped that people would take on the project. I didn't realize that it was gonna go global as it has. Um, and so when I started it, uh, it's, and it's not something not like I'll be the first to say, I didn't invent this idea. Um, what I did do is put a hashtag to it and we live in a modern age where you can, uh, come up with an idea and put that little pound sign in front of your idea and then funneled into that. And so initially there wasn't, uh, you know, really a title to any of this. And, and so I came up with this, uh, I went through some hashtags and, and typed in every single street and there was like three or four photos and they had nothing to do with running or anything like that. And so it, for me, initially, it was just a way to organize all of my photos on Instagram. And I checked a, a week and a half ago and there was over 8,000 photos of people doing this project all over the world, everywhere in Tokyo, uh, Moscow, um, all across the States and Canada, uh, Vancouver, Portland, um, parts of Brazil. Um, and for me, it's super fun. It's, it's like probably the main reason that I still have an Instagram account is to be able to check up on this idea and, and really get a look into other people's lives and seeing parts of, of Paris that, uh, that are never going to be on a postcard. You know, that's never going to be in, in Rick Steves, uh, travel guide to, to seeing Paris. It's just the, it's, it's so much more real than, than anything, uh, that we would do normally um, and, and really taking this idea of the mundane and, and opening it up to uh, really question what is the mundane. You know, if, if this is mundane, then everything's mundane. And so let's explore it and let's, uh, let's look really closely at it. Like everything that, you, I've, that I see that you do, and not just on social media, but with the film and the book are, I think, excellent examples of it. And your website to have a really, like photography obviously means a lot to you. It has a really artistic and sort of poetic feel to it. Did that always intersect with your running or is that something that happened later on in your career? It kind of happened later on, but by later on, I mean like 10 years ago. And that's when I started really exploring photo and writing uh, in terms of the intersection of, of that form of art and where I was with my running. Um, I studied photography in college. Um, I loved writing. Uh, even before that, in high school, I took as many writing classes as I could. Um, so those things were extremely important to me. It was when I went to Europe for the first time um, to race over there when I was 24 years old. And, uh, and I came back and, and this is like vagabonding around, like um, staying in hostels or, or pleading with race directors to give me a hotel room uh, just so I can run this race and maybe make a uh, hundred euro or 500 euro if I was really lucky, if I had a great race. Um, I came back to, to the Roaring Fork Valley, to the Aspen area and 
and told the the editor at Trail Runner magazine, like, I just had this incredible experience that I've never really read about. I, I just raced in Europe for four months straight doing all of these mountain races over there and experienced culture and and stiff competition and, and did it all on a shoestring budget. Um, I'd love to write a story about that for you guys. And, and he said, that sounds great. Uh, we'll find some supporting photos and get you going. And so that was the first piece that I published. And that was uh, 10 or uh, maybe even 12 years ago at this point. And I continued having adventures that I thought were um, you know, different and worthy of, of getting out there in the public. And I kept running into this, uh, this, this issue of needing to find photographs to accompany my, my articles. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm a photographer. Like I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna take the photos and I'm going to get paid for the photos as well, which is great if you're, yeah. you're, you know, just barely making enough money to feed yourself. Um, and so that's when I started taking, you know, if I was in Europe and a cool trail in Europe, I'd always bring my camera with me, take some photos of my friends running around, take some photos, you know, set my camera up, put, the, put it on the, uh, the timer and shoot some photos of myself. And then boom, you know, I've got another uh, words and article to submit to Trail Runner magazine. Um, so that was always interesting to me and, and to be able to, to kind of continue that uh, that practice uh, of art and running uh, for a full decade before I ran across the country uh, just really sharpened that uh, that skill of, of, uh, of piecing together a story and 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 that also helped uh, convince Dean with the wandering fever that that I was up for this task of of, uh, of, of trying to help him put a, a story and a narrative together very cool very cool um do you do you think that your future projects will have the same type of structure that way combination uh, of writing photography and running absolutely so i'm working on a project right now i'm not sure if i mentioned it in our last conversation um i'm calling it the 50 classic trails of north america um and this is one where i i go to different places and Canada, U.S., and, and Mexico um, that I that have a, you know a notable trail, um, and I run it. And part of the joy of that is that I get to seek out people in those communities that are uh, well-known runners or are able to talk about the, this trail and share that experience with them. Um, to me, that's extremely important to be able to share it with the the people that actually live there and get to experience it on a on a daily or or a seasonally seasonal basis um so yeah it's going to continue that one uh is one project and and then uh i don't know the we'll we'll see where it goes next i'm i'm immensely inspired by this english uh artist his name is hamish fulton uh walking artist he's not a runner but he does uh he has put in some like 60 and 70 miles a day without breaking without uh breaking into a stride uh, so without question, a, a very strong walker. Um, but just in seeing his career of, at this point, 50 years, um, seeing how his his ideas and the projects have kind of morphed throughout time, um, such a huge part of it is, is simply mindfulness and, and being present in, in the place where you are with the people that, you, that you're with. 
And oftentimes that doesn't involve any talking whatsoever, but just being present with these people. So, so yeah, we'll see uh, where, where the projects go in the future, but I am extremely uh, grateful and inspired by uh, the, the traction that, uh, that the Every Single Street project have, has gotten, as well as the run across the country and, and simply meeting people and, and having this, this costume of who's also immensely curious about his, his fellow human beings. And um, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an immense luxury to be a, a, a sponsored athlete that doesn't need to claw his way onto the podium. Uh, and, and, and I'm clawing my ways up other uh, podiums uh, in a way, I guess, uh, trying yeah. to figure out how to, to keep uh, telling my story. Um, but as, as you guys know, it's like, you know, you only have so many uh, competitive miles in your legs and, uh, but our, our brains ideally w work until we're 80 or 100 years old. And, and so I, I hope to keep doing that. Yeah, you're as much an artist as you are a runner. And I think that that's, that's what I've found from consuming some of the stuff that you're putting out there. So how's, how's, the, um, how's the reception to the film been since it came out? Because it's only, is it, is it a week, week and a half? It's been out a couple of weeks now. It's been overwhelmingly positive. Um, Good for you. Yeah, so I'm I'm really psyched about that. I I uh, you know the film has been done, it's been done for for over a year now, and so pre-pandemic, pre any notion of like having a global shutdown, and then you know as um, as the world kind of came to a screeching halt. Uh, very selfishly, I'm like, oh shit! What does this mean for the book? What does this mean for the film? Everybody and, had that moment. Yeah, totally. with with whatever they they do, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so like, uh, in retrospect, it, it's it, I think it's been positive. Um, you know, I think that to to have a book out in the world that is a form of adventure that you can experience uh, at home on your couch and still be inspired from it. Um, is is great to have out there to have this film out there that's coming uh, just three weeks before you know the most important election of our lifetime. Um, that's that's calling not for uh, one side or the other, but for uh, unity um, I, is is also really important. And and so I couldn't have planned the timing of this, um, and for it to come out right now is is just really special. And and to to get the positive feedback uh, that I've gotten is has also been really wonderful. It's uh, yeah, that's awesome. You deserve it. And what about uh, what about Run Bus Run and uh, yeah, Run yeah. Hot Run? Have, have you been able to do any of that at all this year? I had is to it, wait. Is it Bus Run Bus or, or wait? Or yeah, it's bus run. It's bus, it's bus run bus, but I should probably okay. get the yeah, yeah, URL yeah. run bus run as well since uh, you should, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's going to be some cheap knockoff. Uh, it's already cheap. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a, an expensive knockoff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I did have to cancel my Alaska bus run bus, uh, which was oh. a bummer, but it was inevitable. Um, and then of the two hut run huts that I had, I did cancel one of them and then I was able to host the other one. And that was just uh, a couple weeks ago and nine people, uh, from around the country, 
we came together and, and ran from Aspen to the Bale area to Redcliffe uh, using oh, the 10th nice. Mountain Division huts along the way. Uh, it's a route that I've guided now, I think 15 or 16 times. I'm, I'm on my seventh year doing it. And it's just, it's really special. Like I, I needed the, that trip uh, just as much as every one of my clients needed it this year. Um, and, you know, to just go out there in nature and turn your phone off for a week, uh, it, it was just really special. So I've got them planned for next year as well. I've, I'm gonna do the, the bus trip in Alaska uh, in August. Um, and we're in talks with doing a, a bus run bus in Mexico, if we can find a bus that's suitable for the adventure. Cool. Um, and then of course, a, a couple of my hut run huts, uh, cause that's my, that's my annual, uh, sort of reset in the woods. Uh, and luckily it's, it's also a job. So, um, I get to meet interesting people. Um, that's one of the best parts about it is I get to meet interesting people from all different types of backgrounds. Uh, um, so it's, it's definitely, uh, uh, a two way street there. Awesome. It's on our bucket list to go on one of these adventures with you, Ricky. So definitely. Watch out. someday, someday we're going to show up. You'll be like, that'd oh be, no. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> awesome. You guys are more than welcome. I'd love to have you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks um, again for, uh, catching up with us, Ricky. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a hey. pleasure. It's. Go ahead, Tyler. Oh, sorry, Ricky. Can we just give a shout out to a few of your sponsors? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's important. Yeah, Definitely. totally. I, I appreciate that. Uh, and I know they do. Uh, Solomon has been taking yeah. good care of me for, for over a decade now. Um, wow. I, I, I want to give a special shout out to them because I just don't think that a lot of companies out there uh, f saying it frankly would have the balls to put out a, a film like that. It's uh, you know, it's it's not partisan politics, um, it, yeah. you know, but it, it, it's very clear that I'm that I believe what I believe. And and uh, for uh, a large company like that to, to take a stand, I think is really cool. Um, and then uh, that's really it. The Wandering Fever for putting together such yeah. a cool film and and uh, trusting them and, and them trusting me to, to pull that off. Um, Sombra Mescal uh and and oh, yeah. bandit wines um if you're gonna make some choices at the liquor store uh those guys are awesome excellent yeah it's it is a it's a it's an awesome film um and it's just like you, i felt like i was there with you at points it, it's it's amazing and i hope everybody takes a little bit of time to watch it and it's on youtube like it's accessible to everybody yeah free free on youtube right now solomon tv um or wherever you're wherever on youtube you get your films but uh yeah very cool thank you again ricky we really appreciate it and uh yeah i hope i end up in a bus or a hut with you sometime soon nice yeah, likewise I'd, likewise i'd yeah. love that it's nice catching yeah. up with you guys uh this is probably just audio for the public but it's nice to see your faces as well you too man yeah. appreciate Great it to see you ricky thanks for everything all right keep, take care guys good work Bye. Thanks. Thanks. Once again, thank you to Ricky Gates for spending some more time with us. We really appreciate it. He is awesome and gracious as always and just interesting and engaging. And uh, we can't say enough good stuff about him. So if you haven't checked out Transamericana, the film, 
or Cross Country the book, we strongly encourage you to do so. Definitely worth your time, both of those experiences. And thank you everybody for listening. We will be back again very soon with another episode.